Let us join in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We welcome those in the Rejoice service as well as those who are streaming at home. Today, I want to explore with you a very deep truth. It is proclaimed all through the Bible and even through most all of the world religions and philosophies. And the truth is this, we rarely grow deeply, we rarely change dramatically unless we suffer. Often we cannot significantly help others in their suffering unless we have suffered in a similar way. This is what is called being a wounded healer. Because we have been wounded ourselves, we are able to help heal the wounds of others. Sometimes when our hearts have been broken, they heal up stronger than ever. And sometimes, amazingly, this can even happen with other parts of our bodies. Drew Brees, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, had his throwing arm severely shattered several years ago by a tackle. And he ended up writing a book called Coming Back Stronger about his arm and his total life, including his spiritual life, rehabilitated. He was fortunate his arm healed and actually did come back stronger than ever. And now he's 40 years old, playing today, having perhaps his best season ever. In Psalm 51, we are warned that the Lord takes no delight in sacrificing and burning animals. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. It's almost always true that when we do not, when we do not acknowledge or accept our brokenness, our woundedness, our sorrows, our failures, our defeats, we do not grow. We do not learn, and we fail to gain the knowledge we need to help comfort someone else who is going through their own pain and sorrow. The other verse that Howell read to us, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And the most profound passages on this truth come from the great prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. They reach toward the suffering of Jesus on the cross, though they were written many hundreds of years before, where the prophet says, Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises 
we are healed. This is a different type of suffering, a very specific, universal, deep, mysterious, magisterial suffering on behalf of Jesus for the sole purpose of healing us of our sins. In our case, we often, we can't make sense of why we are suffering or what purpose it may have. But most of the time, it is wise to accept it and use that pain to help others or to grow yourself. Paul the Apostle speaks of this in the opening lines of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I encourage you to read these. They're a bit of a tongue twister, and I'm only going to read just one small section, but there's about five verses that are, that are really beautiful. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the first few verses. The God of consolation consoles us in our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are also afflicted. And that's what I was trying to say to the children in that story that I told them. Here's another jewel I came across in a novel I'm reading. Misfortune is like fire. It melts everything but gold. Misfortune is like fire. It melts everything but gold. So suffering sometimes has a way of purifying our lives, helping us finally see clearly what is truly important and helping us finally see clearly what is truly not important, see what is gold and what is straw. And don't we wish, don't we wish that we didn't have to suffer to learn great truths? But sadly, it seems, not always, but almost always, we do. It seems to be part of our nature to have to learn the hard way, the school of hard knocks and all that. The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote famously, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. That which does not kill us makes us stronger. I, I suppose we can all think of examples where that has not been the case, where someone was crushed from some horrible thing and really never recovered. But oftentimes it is. And I have learned that there is even this thing called PTG, post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth where people often experience a renewed appreciation for life, a new outlook on life with new and better possibilities for themselves. They feel stronger. They feel tougher. They feel more courage. They feel more resilient. They feel even more satisfied spiritually and their relationships with others improve dramatically. Even someone unexpectedly like the great comedian Jerry Seinfeld wrote about how his early failures on the stage, being booed and heckled and ignored, made him stronger and better. He said, and I quote, I don't mind suffering. You suffer in all things, work, relationships, whatever else you do. Unless you are eating ice cream, you are suffering. 
Now, we know that's not true, thank goodness. In 1981, when my father was 53 years old, he died of a melanoma cancer. My mother was only 50. I was about to turn 25. I was in seminary at Princeton, and our son, Joran, was born two months before he died. Like a lot of things you all have been through, it was very sudden and very horrible. He was fine, then he was very, very sick, and in no time, he was gone. In fact, my father was too sick to ever even see his grandson, his first grandchild. And for a few years, my mother became a wounded healer. She joined an organization that cared for women whose husbands had died. This was in Atlanta, Georgia. Only once did I get to actually watch my mother minister to someone. It seemed to me that she knew exactly what to say, exactly what not to say, how to connect widow to widow in a profound, helpful, healing way. As I observed it as a young man, it was a sort of magic that had a profound effect on me, watching her interact with this other person who'd been through something like she had. I wish I could tell you that I too became a wounded healer, helping other young men who had lost their fathers, but I didn't. I can make excuses about I was young, I was still in school, I was fairly newly married, I was a new father. But really, to be honest, it was an episode of failure for me. And maybe now that I have had almost 40 years to reflect on this time in my life, perhaps I can say that all suffering and all tragedies, all sorrows and sins and misfortunes are not going to be growing opportunities. Perhaps that's too much for us to expect. Perhaps it is too hard or exhausting. Or perhaps, and I think maybe this is what happened to me, there was a long delay where we learn or grow decades later. I have many deep memories about this time, and I have many regrets. But I think I can say honestly that these regrets have made me a better pastor. It's an odd sort of courage, but it is courage nevertheless for us to go back and face our regrets, to go back in time and face our remorse and try to find something golden hidden in that pile of shame. My mother did not continue this ministry. Perhaps eventually it sort of wore her out, 
or she was ready to move on to something else. But other duties also emerged for her, and she had to move back to Florence, Alabama, her hometown, to take care of her own mother and two aunts who had no children or family to take care of them. Those were really, really rough years for my mother and very stressful for her. And from that stress, she developed very bad arthritis in her hands and in her knees. And only after my grandmother died and my two great aunts died and her long caregiving ended, her arthritis got much better, but her fingers remained bent and twisted, just not with that pain like she had before. So I tell you that story because it's a cautionary thing about not wanting to romanticize suffering. Sometimes suffering is just suffering. It's not always growth or insight or coming back stronger. But I think the Bible and our experience do proclaim loud and clear that true spiritual depth, true spiritual maturity does not come, in fact cannot come, without some suffering, failure, heartache, disappointment, mistakes, sins, and all that stuff of life that is not marvelous and wonderful and pleasant and heartwarming. Whether we like it or not, and mostly we don't, the undeniable fact of life is that if we push our failures and heartaches and suffering aside, if we refuse to acknowledge them and stubbornly deny them or fail to reflect upon them, we don't grow, we don't mature, we don't develop. And we are unable to help others perhaps as well who may desperately need our comfort and aid in their journey of healing. We become, I hate to say, sadly, less than fully human and less than what God wants us to be. We can pretend. We can pretend to be invincible, wildly happy, successful, healthy, and whole. But here's the irony. Ironically, our true greatness as humans and our true greatness as Christians perhaps does not come from going to the best schools or reading the great books or making all the great connections or working hard or eating healthy food or exercising or volunteering to help those less fortunate. Perhaps our greatness as humans and disciples of Jesus comes from moving through our brokenness, our woundedness, our heartaches, mess-ups, moving through those things, through the grace of God, and coming back stronger. Whatever stronger in that sense may be for you, more honest, more understanding, more courageous, more determined to do the right thing.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.